0: Hello everyone and welcome to From Oil to Soil, The Shift with Isadora Spearwoman. Here at From Oil to Soil, we are reclaiming the discussion by reframing the discussion. For more information, visit www.fromoiltosoil.org. and welcome to episode 10 of From Oil to Soil, The Shift. I am your host, Isadora Spearwoman. Joining us today is Larissa Johnson, who for the last 15 years has dedicated her life to working with and for communities helping people create sustainable, walkable, bikeable, healthy neighborhoods that cultivate and invigorate the community's livelihood. Prior to receiving her MPA in Environmental Science and Policy from Columbia University's School of International and Public Affairs, she worked predominantly in the field of nutrition, physical activity, and chronic disease prevention. What she gleaned through her work is that the environment is at the center of literally everything we do in life. Without clean air to breathe, how do we stay healthy and combat preventative illnesses? Without clean water, how do we grow nutritious, locally produced food? And without green spaces, how do we learn to play and enjoy the outdoors again the way it was intended? She is a huge proponent of working smarter, not harder, and is a leader within the climate and energy savings movement in Maryland. You can find out more about her by visiting her work website, www.montgomeryenergyconnection.org. For today's episode, we focused on a number of Project Drawdown solutions that all have to do with energy savings in the home. So we specifically looked at LED lights, solar, water savings, and smart thermostats.
1: Our individual solutions do matter because if we all do them, then they become collective solutions. But it all starts with the individual. And so making those switches with leds and water usage and you know and all those other little things that people get annoyed about but like know that every every single action that you do as an individual matters it matters so much (laughs) because if we don't do it who else is going to do it and how do we get there if we don't start with that, that first step
0: yeah that's great I think yeah it's just it's amazing i'm so inspired right now do you want to talk about the smart thermostats now since that is so high in the percentage of energy use
1: yes i always tell people uh, mind your thermostat um that's the number one thing like i said over 50 percent of our electricity usage goes to heating and cooling our home so it depends on where you're living in the country it depends on the time of year but Regardless of any of those things, there are standards in the world of where your thermostat should be set. So in the winter, your thermostat should be set at 68 degrees and in the summer, 78 degrees. Now, the rule of thumb is the closer, the closer you can get your thermostat to the temperature outside, the less money you're going to be paying because the differentiation between inside and outside is smaller. So that's one way to think about it. But that's not comfortable. Like if you live in a place that's 20, 23 degrees in the winter and you're keeping your house at 25, sure, you're saving a lot of money, but you're really uncomfortable in your home. So that's why they say 68 degrees. Um, it's all a recommendation. The beautiful thing with smart thermostats is that you can, you can set them and not think about it again. So that's why I love smart thermostats or programmable thermostats because if you're leaving your house, you want to make sure that even if you have pets in the home, pets have fur most pets have fur and if you have like a a iguana or something you're going to have heat lamps anyway but that's a whole other story (laughs) you you have an iguana no i do not but i do know a lot of people that have. (laughs) you always have to you know you got to think about the iguanas yeah you got to think about all the other pets that people have that don't have fur or feathers true um But yeah, and that's a whole nother conversation because then you have to have the heat lamp and heat lamps are definitely incandescent light bulbs. So you cannot change those because they have to produce warmth. But that's why you know incandescent light bulbs are not energy efficient because you have to heat iguanas with them. (laughs) (laughs) They don't need the light, they need the warmth. Um, Mm. But yeah, so. With programmable thermostats, you can say, all right, in in the normal world, I go to work from eight to five. So between eight to five, you can program it so that your thermostat goes down a few degrees so that you're saving money. And then remember, I said that different times of day, energy costs Different amounts of money per kilowatt hour. So you mostly during the daytime, we're all using electricity during the day. So it's going to be more expensive to use electricity during the day. That's why you want to do big loads of laundry at night and things like that. But with the ther, um, with the thermostat, the other thing I want to let people know is that while the recommendations are 68 degrees in the winter, 78 degrees in the summer, again, it differs depending on where you are in the in the country, but The thing about it is that for every degree you deviate from that recommendation, whether it's warmer or colder, depending on the season, you're looking at a 3% increase on your utility bill. So I'm going to give you an example from me right here. So it is spring, but it's a weird, you know, the temperature outside could go from 40 degrees to 70 degrees every day. It's like that big of a change. So I keep my thermostat at 68 degrees, but if I were to keep it at 72 degrees, that's a four degree difference, right? And I would have to multiply four times three that would give me 12%. So I could potentially see a 12% increase on my utility bill that month if I kept my thermostat at 72 degrees instead of 68 degrees. Mm. So that's where people see fluctuations in their utility bill. And they're like, why is my bill higher? Well, what were you doing? Like what temperature was your house? Because that's going to be the biggest contributor to your electricity usage and your, your costs. Mm. It's 100, It's 50%. 50, plus percent of your energy goes to that, to heating and cooling. And it's just, um, no one, no one anytime soon is going to turn on and off your thermostat. So just remember that um, it's recommendations and it's just that knowledge and understanding that that may be why your bill is higher than normal. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, The
1: other thing is a lot of States have programs that allow you to opt in so that they if you have a programmable or smart thermostat, they do have control over it so that they can turn it off on days where it they might be really warm. And so they don't want people running their air conditioners at a certain time. So there are programs that you can opt into. They'll turn off your thermostat um, or your air conditioner from 10 to 2 in the middle of the day, which isn't normally an issue if you work, um, but you know during this time it's a little bit tricky, but they turn it off from 10 to two and then you get a credit on your utility bill for not using electricity. And that's really to make sure that the, the entire grid system doesn't get overtaxed with people using their air conditioners or heaters. It's usually air conditioners, it's never heaters, um, but their air conditioners during high use times because um, they don't want blackouts or brownouts.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: that's, that's a way to contribute to that.
0: Mm-hmm. No, that's great to know. Can you do, what is the breakdown of like what, what, what equals hundred percent? So it's about 60% of heat and cooling and then about
1: 11% LE or 11% light. Mm-hmm. Uh, 7% is your refrigerator. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I know, and that's a whole nother conversation because your refrigerator cannot be unplugged. Please never unplug your fridge unless you're like planning on cleaning it and then plug that thing right back in. Um, You don't want your food to spoil. But like one of the things about that is again, the cost barrier, right? Like buy an Energy Star appliance. And it's like, no, I just bought this appliance last year. I'm not gonna go buy a new appliance. So like there are other things you can do, get a refrigerator thermometer, make sure your refrigerator is between 35 and 40 degrees. That is the sweet spot of making sure your refrigerator is running as efficiently as possible. you know, just make, don't, if you have kids, or if you're one of those people that stands in front of the refrigerator, like, what do I have here? I don't know. Make a list and put it on top of the refrigerator (laughs) so people know what's in there. So they're not standing there with the refrigerator door open. There's little things like that, but 7% of your electricity. So that's big. Mm -hmm. Then you have, um, you're going to have your computer, your, uh, electronics. So computer television is going to be about 20%. Mm. It's like it's like 18% actually, but we're re- rounding up. So where are we now? We have like 10% and then um, heating and cool. I should have said water heating is included in that 60%.
0: Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about water savings?
1: Yes. Then we can so water, like savings, water savings is a double whammy. In a lot of places like where I live, I have to pay for the water. I don't have a well. So I had to pay for my water and then I had to pay to heat my water. So that's the, that's your double cost. So anytime you can use less water, and I know you are in California and I literally just read this morning that, um, Arizona and Nevada may have to have a, they're, well, they're having a drought right now. So they may have to have a mandate put in place and how much water is being used. So water, I know we love to think that it's something that we're always going to have but fresh water as a commodity and it's we're going to run out of it if we use it the way we use it so um big things that you can do and I know people are going to like roll their eyes when they hear me say this but five minute showers I that's one of the fun things that I give away when I do events is I give people five minute shower timers <laughs> and they're like they're like a little hourglass thing I use my I took a shower this morning and I put it, I always turn it on. As soon as I turn on the water, I start my timer. Now in my house, it takes a little bit of time for the water to get hot. So that actually makes my time in the shower even less because I really do start at five minutes. If you don't have a shower timer, you do not need one, it's not gonna kick you out anyway or beep or anything. So what I do is um, I also have music. So I usually, I, keep, I listen to the Hamilton soundtrack and I listen to the first two songs and that'll get me out of the shower in time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're listening to, I am not throwing away my, if you're on that song, you're in the shower too long. Um, and yeah, so that's another fun thing you could do. Baths are good, especially with kids that take a long time in the shower. So if your kids are still at the age where you can get them to take baths, take baths because the amount of water in a traditional bathtub is the same amount of water that's being used in a five minute shower. If you were to run your five minute sh- if you were to run your shower for five minutes, it would fill up a standard tub. So, no, I love uh, baths. <laughs> I do too. Mm-hmm. My bath is just too short. Um, but yeah, and then switching to high efficiency shower heads, super important. There's a program, the Environmental Protection Agency has a program called WaterSense. And there's this cute little logo that's like just a little water droplet. So you can look for items that have that WaterSense label on them. And that's going to mean it's more water um, high efficiency. And high efficiency does not mean low pressure because a lot of people are like, well, I don't want it to be low pressure. If you have good pressure, if you have good water pressure in your house, you're going to still have good water pressure. It's just that the holes of the shower head are a little bit smaller so that it's putting out less water per minute. Still same pressure. I, I have a high efficiency shower head. So same pressure. So don't worry about that. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, and this is old school this is what I'm saying. There are still solutions that don't cost anything, but I would highly recommend getting a toilet tank bank. So it's the equivalent of the old school brick in your tower, um, in your toilet console was this part, the top part. Uh-huh. Of your toilet, uh-huh. you know what I'm talking about, uh-huh. um, where the water actually fills up. If you put if back in the day, and I know a lot of people are like, "Oh yeah, my grandma had that, or my mom had that." You would put a brick in there, and especially in like California, Arizona, Nevada, you don't want you don't need to flush a whole a whole toilet worth of water. Like limit how much water there is. Toilet tank banks you can get them online. They you fill them up with water, and then they float in the tank. Why did I forget? It's called the tank. They just float in the tank. And so they're gonna displace water so that you're not using as much water every time you flush your toilet. Mm. And of course, the old adage, if it's yellow, let it mellow. Yeah. If it's brown, push yes. it down. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, those are those are the big things. Um, the other things too, and Of course, I would always recommend just switching to a native garden if you can, wherever you are, or, you know, switching to something that's like doesn't take a lot of water to keep your yard looking beautiful. I would recommend that. But if you are going to water your lawn, make sure you're doing it in the cool parts of the day. So that's another thing that people need to know because of um, evaporation and transpiration, like there's a lot of reasons, but cool times of day, that's another water saving measure, um, that people often Mm -hmm. overlook. And then of course you're spending money to water your garden in the middle of the, don't do that. Don't have your sprinklers go off in the middle of the day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so those are the, those are the big water saving. Uh, oh, and then of course, wash your clothes in cold water. And that's true for hot for, um, sorry, for white colored clothes and dark clothes. That's how I separate my clothes in my house. I don't know how other people do it, but back in the day, there was this, um, this belief that you had to wash your whites specifically in hot water. And that's because it, the detergent wouldn't activate without hot water, but all detergents on the market now all activate with cold water. So you don't have to worry about the temperature, but mm. cold water, you're not paying to heat that water. So wash with cold water as much as possible.
0: Wow. This is so helpful. You, this, I just appreciate your knowledge. This is so helpful for everyone. And we're all going to need to know this information, so. And I tried, like,
1: of course I, you know, like the other day I ran my dishwasher in the daytime because it was just, it was disgusting. And I was like, I cannot, I cannot wait till the evening, (laughs) you know, like, and I was like, and I don't, you know, when you run it in the evening, then the next morning you have to empty your dishwasher. And sometimes you're like, I don't want to do that this morning. So Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm just going to run it right now. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I do that sometimes, but if you can start incorporating these suggestions, these solutions into your everyday life, like it just makes it so much easier, honestly. And you're going to see savings. You're going to see cost savings for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Well, thank you. I think we should wrap up with solar um, because solar is obviously a, a bit more of an investment for people and the infrastructure in the home and outside of the home needs to be changed. So... Uh, well, from what I'm aware of, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, I'd love to know, like you said, you have solar panels, um, basically, you know, what, what's needed to go solar, what are the benefits and what are some things people can start to think about in, in that transition? Oh, goodness.
1: Yeah. So solar, (laughs) solar is amazing because, um, as I mentioned before, like when we were talking about the thermostat and why. Utility companies will ask you not to use electricity during certain times of the day when it's like warm out. The thing about that is we're all connected through grid systems. And of course, depending on where you are in the country, it'll determine what grid you're connected to. But here in Maryland, we're connected to a grid system called PJM. Back in the day, it stood for Pennsylvania, Jersey, Maryland. Now there are 11 states that are all sharing electrons. So if something were to happen in Pennsylvania, it could impact me here in Maryland. Or if something happens in Maryland, it could impact someone all the way in Illinois because we're connected to them through our grid system. So. So that alone, if you just think about if people were more connected to electricity, I am connected to 11 different states. So how we're using electricity is impacting 11 different states worth of people. My county alone has 1.1 million people. So if you think about all the people that are connected to the same grid system, it will blow your mind. But that said, when you have solar panels on your own roof, the electrons are going to your house first. So you're not only getting clean energy or re- renewable energy, energy from the sun, you're getting it first, and then the excess in most states goes to the grid and helps the grid system. Now, the reason why it works that way is because at night, the sun is not out. So my solar panels are not producing electricity, but I still am using el- electricity. So I'm using electricity from the grid. So it's like a you know, a little back and forth that's happening. Um, I always, you know, there are some states where you can actually get a switch put in so that you could turn your electricity off from the grid. Not every state has that ability. There's also battery storage, which is up and coming, but it still is very costly. It's very expensive. So if you don't have the ability, I don't have the ability to have a storage unit yet, Um, but I'm using the grid as my storage. So that's It's amazing. Now, the solar tax credits, there's a federal solar tax credit. It's called the Investment Tax Credit, or ITC, and it allows you to deduct 26% of the cost of installing a solar energy system from your federal taxes. That is in place until 2022, so until next year, and then 2023, it goes down to 22%, and then by 2024, it's gone, so... That's like, that can save you about $9,000 on a system. Uh, Your system is going to differ depending on how big your house is, how much electricity you're using, how many people are in your home. There's all these other factors that you have to consider. But if you have the ability to look into it, look into it for sure. Um, The other thing I will tell you is that there are resources. There's so many resources available to help you along the way. One of the things that I absolutely love is a nonprofit organization called Solar United Neighbors. They are now in I think 11 or 15 states. So look up Solar United Neighbors and they may be in your state. If they are in your state, they are a nonprofit organization. Their entire mission is to help people put solar panels on their roofs. and it doesn't cost you a thing to become a member of Solar United Neighbors. What it does though, is it gives you expert advice on how to go solar. And a lot of a lot of um, what Solar United Neighbors does is brings residents together to create something called solar co-ops. So a solar co-op is, is a bulk purchasing program. So that's what I did here in Maryland is I, I participated in a solar co-op. So I worked with about, there were about 90 different home homeowners in our area that all went solar, that all said we want to go solar at the same time. And so Solar United Neighbors helps with the process. They, they release a request for proposals to different installers. Then residents come together. They look at all the installers that send in their applications and they say, okay, you know, we want our panels made in the United States or we want our panels to be high efficiency or we want our panels to be low cost. So the residents decide that. And then as a result, one installer is chosen and then everyone in the co-op gets their solar installed by the same installer. Mm-hmm. So it's easier for the installer. The installer has ready-made customers, you know, and um, and went through a process that was vetted by a nonprofit and vetted by residents in your own area. And so it's very personalized. And the beautiful thing is like, you don't have to do three quotes from three different companies. And again, when we talked about the barrier, the time, who has time to do three quotes? I don't have time to do three quotes. You know, I don't have time to, have to, like, to schedule three people coming to my house to talk to me about this. But if I can work through a program that already does all of that, that's amazing. And they answer every single question you have, they're always available for you. And then a lot of states also have something called community solar. So community solar is available to anyone who cannot put solar panels on their own roof or don't own their roof. So if you're a renter and you live in a state where you can choose your electricity supplier. So again, I'm making you do research, but I don't know your state's laws and regulations specifically, but it's very easy to find out. You can just write in like California and then what, you know, are we regulated or unregulated or deregulated? And you'll find out. um, Anyway, and so with community solar, it's an opportunity for you to invest in solar panels, but the solar energy is not on your roof. It may be on a congregation in your neighborhood, or it may be on a school. So they're like big projects that are in your area and you invest in that project. And then you get a credit on your utility bill based on how much energy that project produces. So it's kind of like, sort of like a CSA sort of thing like community supported agriculture where you're supporting a farm mm-hmm. and getting fruits and vegetables you're supporting an electric uh, a solar array and you're getting the credits on your electricity bill so wow. there are lots of options for solar um, mm-hmm. solar solar does not make up a huge part of our grid right now but mm-hmm. hopefully in the future
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I just want to like, thank you so much for all of your information and just the wealth of knowledge. Um, yeah. And just, I guess in sort of starting to wrap up, are there any, any other home saving solutions that you just want to, you're like, I have to say this also, or anything about also the broader, just climate crisis and climate solutions. And yeah, just any words of inspiration for, for the folks listening and
1: well, I mean, of course there's words of inspiration, right? So <laughs> there, if you have not had the opportunity to read this book yet, all we can save, it's Truth, Courage and Solutions for the Climate Crisis. And it's edited by Ayana Elizabeth Johnson and Katherine K. Wilkinson. And it's um, a bunch of different stories, poems, anecdotes, all from women throughout the country who are in the climate movement right now and the very first the very first section is called root and calling in by jaya bastista and she says a vibrant fair and regenerative future is possible not when thousands of people do climate justice activism perfectly but when millions of people do the best they can And that's really what I want to instill in people because I know that there's a lot around climate that makes it seem like it's so overwhelming and that our individual solutions do not matter and our individual solutions do matter because if we all do them, then they become collective solutions. And it's not just us, but also making sure that you're holding other corporations and governments responsible as well. So you can contact your municipality, your city, your county. What are they doing? Are they making sure that their buildings are energy efficient? Do they have solar arrays wherever they can? Have they switched to electric vehicles? You know, like making sure that you're also advocating for those changes at the large scale. But it all starts with the individual. And so making those switches with leds and water usage and you know and all those other little things that people get annoyed about but like of course if you have a metal straw and you don't use plastic straws anymore that's going to have an impact is it a huge impact we don't know because we're not all doing it still so you know like just know that you, every every single action that you do as an individual matters it matters so much (laughs) because if we don't do it who else is going to do it and how do we get there if we don't start with that that first step Mm -hmm. Mm.
0: Ah, i feel so hopeful i love i love doing these interviews it's just so so inspiring and yeah i just want to thank you so much for all the work you're doing in the world and is there any way for people to contact you or support you in what you're doing um Love to hear about. Maybe just end with a little bit about your work website and um, yeah, how people can support you and spread the word.
1: Yeah, so I will tell you two different websites. One is definitely work related. It's www.montgomeryenergyconnection.org. Montgomery is M O N T G O M E R Y. I believe that's what it is, energyconnection.org. That website is great if you're just looking for information about energy in general. I created that website to help answer all energy questions people have. Now it is specific to Maryland, but you can still get information. Like if you go to that website, montgomeryenergyconnection.org and go to My Energy Use, we actually break down energy bills, like how to read your utility bill. So you can look at that. You could take your own personal electricity bill out and just see, it's gonna differ depending on where you are in the country, but there's a standard, even with the four electricity bills that we have there, there's there's still similarities among them. So I would say check that website out and just find out different energy information. And then of course, go to your local municipality, city, county, state, government, and find out if they have similar programs and similar websites. Because they exist, like I said, uh, especially here in the capital area, DC capital area. So Maryland, Virginia, DC, we all do similar programs. So Mm -hmm. if not, if not me, then they, you know, like there's other people. Um, and then personally, if you want to get in touch with me and talk about anything, or if you, you know if you have any questions and you're interested in having me help you out in any way it, my website is just larissajohnson.com so l-a-r-i-s-s-a-j-o-h-n-s-o-n and you'll find out how all the other ridiculous things that i do in the world everything is connected to energy though because i believe energy is at the center of all we do whether that's electricity or our personal energy or movement or what we're putting into our bodies they're all connected so Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. so that is it but thank you so very much for having me thank you it was such a pleasure as you could i could legit talk about this for hours i can tell
0: (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode for more information, visit www.fromoiltosoil.org. From Oil to Soil, The Shift is a crowd funded initiative made possible by donations from individuals. The work we do is entirely voluntary. It is an offering of the heart for the earth. The following tracks were used as background music in this episode. Sanctuary and Paraloon by Arrowhead and by Dream Heaven. Audio production by Eamon Durkin. We hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends and family.